Hello and welcome to the Next in Line podcast where we are helping to prepare you for whatever is next in line. As always, I am your host, Chance Pitts, and I'd like to thank you for tuning into this episode. Guys and gals, first and foremost, happy Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving week and we're not going to drop another podcast between here and there, so I wanted to go ahead and get that out there. I wanted to wish everybody a relaxing and family full, full of family, uh, holiday week. I hope that everyone's getting a little bit of time off, getting a little bit of time to recalibrate, chill out, and just take the time to be grateful for everything that we have in our lives, to be thankful for everything we have in our lives. Uh, I know that's something I really need to focus on and hone in on this holiday season a little bit more, and I can't think of a better time to do that than Thanksgiving. Now, Last year around Thanksgiving, that was our main topic of conversation, but we're going to get into something a little bit different this year. But before we do that, I want to take care of some housekeeping. If you receive value from this episode or any other episode of the Next In Line podcast, we would ask that you share the show with like-minded individuals who could receive that same kind of value. We'd be very thankful for that. Now, what that's going to do, guys, is it's going to put us out there just a little bit further in front of people. It's going to help us help as many people as possible, which is our overall goal. We want to help individuals like yourself, just ordinary people, strive to achieve extraordinary results. That's literally what we're trying to do. That's what we've been doing since the get-go. And hopefully we've been able to provide some examples of that to you with the people we've brought on the podcast. Now, guys, another thing we would ask is that you give us a follow on social media. That's at Next in Line Development on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We've got some motivational content there, some inspirational stuff as well, and we'd really, really love to hear from you there as well. You can let us know in our DMs how we're doing. You can provide any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have over the podcast, and we'd be very, very happy to hear from you there. So along with that, guys, we have some races coming up. We have on December 2nd, the Brazos Bin 100. We'll be out in Needville at Brazos Men State Park supporting Michael Ruiz as he gets ready to knock out his first 100-mile ultramarathon. Michael has had a phenomenal training schedule this year. He's knocked out his first 50K, uh, and last year um, he knocked out his very first marathon. And the dude has done an amazing job. He has really, really been an inspiration, and seeing him strive for these these big races and these long distances is something that's amazing. You know, he used to have the nickname Broke Knees Ruiz uh, because of some things that he struggled with in the past. And to see him go from broke knees to uh, trying to knock out 100 miles is something that's absolutely awesome. Now, along with that, we'll also have someone else out there running. Kendall Nelson will be knocking out the half marathon at Brazos Bend State Park at the Brazos Bend 100. She was a little worried she wouldn't get in, but they opened up a few more spots and we are fired up and ready to go. She'll be towing the line on December 2nd as well. So super, or December 3rd actually, I'm sorry, but super, super stoked for her getting out there and knocking out that race and having the opportunity to do so. If you're involved with Brazos Bend or going to be out there yourself, uh, feel free to drop by. If you need some help from an aid station, we're always happy to do that as well. Moving on to the next event, we're strongly looking at a couple of races uh, coming up early next year. On January 13th and 14th, we are really, really looking at a couple distances and options uh, for Hoka Bandera 100K. 
We don't know exactly how it's going to go down yet or what we're going to do, but it looks like myself and Mr. Billy Pitts, my dad, will be out there in Bandera. So super stoked about that one. If you're going to be out there, let us know as well. If you get any advice, it's always welcome. Shoot us that in the DMs, guys, like I said. Along with that, guys, the other race that we're heavily considering will be on February 10th out in Georgia. The 3 of 7 Project Trail Race is offering an 8-hour, a 6-hour, and a 4-hour duration race where you run the same loop as many times as you can and you gather the most mileage that you can in those 8, 6, or 4-hour segments that you'll be running. So whoever gathers that highest distance will be the winner of that race, and we really would love to go out there and be part of that again. We ran, or I ran, a 50K the first year that 3 of 7 Project held their ultra marathon uh, and it was a very very enjoyable race since then they've switched formats on how they're doing the race and i'd love to go out there and get to experience this one so if you're interested in that let us know we got a good group of guys wanting to go out there and run that race next on the list set in stone guaranteed that we're going to go out there and run it is the cocodona 250 I'm very, very excited about this race. It's being held out from Black Canyon City to Flagstaff, Arizona, and it's going to be from May 6th to 11th. If you remember earlier this year, not too long ago actually, the KD225 was slated to be my first 200 plus mile race. That race was canceled, uh, had some issues with a uh, the Department of Natural Resources out there and they pulled the permits. Um, and it really kind of was a little bit of a kick in the teeth, but with that being said, I'm super excited to go out to Arizona and participate in this event because it's been something I've been honestly obsessed with since the drop of this race three years ago when I didn't even run ultra marathons yet. So for this to be my first race over 200 miles is kind of a gift. It's a, it's a really, really neat opportunity and potential experience that we're going to get involved in. And we've got a great group of pacers, crew members, and just overall individuals that will be out there with us, some sharing the trail, some just supporting, uh, and we couldn't be more excited about that. So with that, that really wraps up the races that we have on the books so far, and I'm sure some others will be added in there as well. And guys and gals, let's go ahead and dive into the topic for today. Now, as you know, sometimes we grab a hold of sayings and we grab a hold of Some of these mantras, if you will, uh, that can be found out in the world and that are applied to a variety of different situations. You see, this particular one that I'm going to talk about today was part of a business meeting that we had for business development um, at the construction company that I work for. One of the divisional presidents came in and he was talking specifically about the clientele that we were going after. He was specifically talking about the fact that in the growth years and with our plans of attack currently, we were really going after everyone that met our requirements. We were looking at all of those clients and all of those potential business partners that checked all the boxes, right? And what he said about that was whenever we were trying to just gain as much business as possible, whenever we were pursuing the revenue and chasing the forecast, 
what we were doing in that effect was we were hunting with a shotgun. And what he was wanting to do and what the hope was for our business is to start really dialing in and getting precise and picking our prey, picking our partners, picking our clients by going out there and treating business development as if we were hunting with a rifle. So today that's what we are going to talk about. We're going to talk about hunting with a rifle versus a shotgun. Now, for anybody that is not in tune with hunting, here is a little bit of a basic overview. You see, a shotgun, also called a scatter gun, shoots a pattern of BBs. It allows you to put a lot more lead downrange and to cover a lot more area. And because of that, typically, I know anybody that's an avid hunter, anybody that's a little bit more in this is going to give me some crap for this, but typically... The quarry, when hunting with a shotgun, is some kind of bird. You see, there's a lot of dove hunting. There's a lot of quail hunting. There's a lot of duck hunting, especially here in Texas and in South Texas in particular, that is done. And the way you approach that and the way you look at that style of hunting is very different. You see, you shoot the pattern out because... Targets are fast moving. Everything's happening very quick. You're just trying to get as many as you can to get towards the limit, uh, which in the case of Dove is about 15. So to hit that goal, to hit the quote-unquote metric, the forecast, if you will, you shoot out this wide pattern and you try to cover as much as possible uh, in the form of air and flying space so that you have the best chance at hitting your goal. It's a kind of throw the whole kitchen sink in every opportunity at whatever your quarry is. And along with that, these shotguns, they usually, at least here in Texas, have a limit of three shells in the gun at one time. But those shells can be fired in quick succession. And oftentimes, whenever you shoot at one dove flying over, you can typically have a second shot at them at least, maybe even a third before they're out of distance. So the opportunities to really just kind of spray and pray on these different birds flying over is there. It is something you can definitely do. And for that reason, many of us go through two or three boxes of shells trying to hit our limit. Now, that's probably exposing a little bit more about my uh, my inability to... Uh, to hit some of these flying targets and my, my struggles as a dove hunter. But um, besides that, it really is a grab all you can grab. It's a get there as quick as you can. It's a, it's a hit your limits by any means possible form of hunting. And whenever you consider a rifle, what a rifle does is it moves one singular piece of lead downrange on a very precise pattern. It is one single bullet going to one single place, right? And because of that, it packs a much harder punch. You can also fire from a much further distance. And you can really dial in on what it is that you're trying to take down and where you're placing that bullet. And because of that, rifles are typically used, especially down here, to take things down like deer, to take things down like hogs 
and all sorts of exotics and craziness that has become the Texas hunting industry. But for the most part, deer are the most popular. And whenever you're considering this, it's really, really and more of an art form, more of a pursuit, more of a calculated approach to going after your quarry and to achieving your goals, if you will. You see, it's a sustained effort over a course of time where you're getting one chance and one opportunity to go out there and do what you planned on doing. It's not the approach of just Another bird flies over the tree, another one flies into into the pattern, another one flies over the field, and you just get shot after shot after shot and opportunity after opportunity to go in. So with the rifle, there's much more precision, there's much more selectiveness involved, there's much more planning involved as well. You're very calculated in this regard. And that's just a basic overview of that rifle versus shotgun approach. But you see, as we dive deeper, there's some costs that are associated with hunting that go into buying the firearm, that go into buying the ammunition, and even go into the styles of hunting that you have. You see, whenever you're out there with a shotgun, you're dove hunting, a decent shotgun, decent, can get pretty expensive. But the barrier for entry with hunting with a shotgun is pretty cheap. You can pick up a Mossberg 500, or you can pick up one of these other shotguns that's a kind of more of an entry-level gun for pretty dang cheap. You know, I have a pretty nice over and under a Yieldies that I picked up for like under $400 at Academy, but it's a great gun and it does everything I could ever need a shotgun to do. And it's really, really interesting because on the other end of that scale, a rifle, at least my rifle, a pretty entry-level gun, once I put an optic on it, once I dialed everything in the way I wanted to, on it, I ended up spending about six to seven hundred dollars on that thing, and I made a few nicer upgrades to it. I did some things that that were a little bit more than what some people might do to it. But even with that being said, it's a higher cost and a higher commitment to buying that initial firearm. Then, along with that, the ammunition that that gun takes. Whenever dove season rolls around, prices spike, but most of the time you can get bird shot for a shotgun by the pallet. You can get as much or as little as you want, and though ammo prices have creeped up, it doesn't break the bank. It is a cheaper opportunity to go out and try to achieve your goal. Now, if you're a bad shot like me, you might end up spending just as much money on that uh, ammunition for your shotgun as you do for your rifle because you're blowing through so much of it just to get your limit. Uh, but on the flip side of the shotgun, the rifle is more expensive ammo. And there's different kinds and different styles that you can use depending on what you think. There's different grain uh, for power that behind the bullet pushing it forward. Um, but overall... It's a more expensive thing. It's a higher barrier to entry. It's more of a commitment, if you will, in that regard. And then, on the other side, like I talked about, with dove hunting, there's a whole, whole lot of opportunity to shoot, but the time investment, if you will, is very, very different. You see, this dove season, me and my friend Lane Divin, who's been on the podcast several times, did some dove hunting. And what that entailed was he called me 
one evening when he got off from work and said, hey, the property we live on has an opportunity for some hunting back there. We're seeing a lot of birds flying. we got plenty of acreage back here. Why don't you come over and do some hunting? And in the course of about 15 minutes, I threw everything in the truck that I needed, gun, shells, chair, mojos, uh, in my dove vest and I was good to go I was ready to roll we were out there within 30 minutes sitting in the field and we were attempting to drop birds back there in the back and though that's fun though that's easy though it's instant gratification it's a different style right it's a less of a time and energy investment into that style of hunting whereas Unless you're just lucky and set up for it. Unless you've done a lot of work on the front end, which luck really doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. It's, it's really prioritizing that style of hunting. Unless you live on acreage that has stands already up with feeders that are already timed and your rifle's dialed in and everything is really to a T how it needs to be. You can't do that with deer hunting or larger game hunting. Really, it's a commitment. It's, it's dialing in on where they're going to be. It's scouting. It's setting up those feeders. It's setting up the cameras so that you know exactly what's coming in, what's going out, what you should shoot, what you shouldn't shoot. You have your research done. You understand that your rifle needs to be sighted in. You need to have a perfect shot placement with it. you got to have a place to be able to clean the deer when you're done. you got to have a the ability to... Uh, to clean and process the deer, to quarter it out, to cut that meat up, and all these things, it's way, way more involved and much more of a time commitment, much more of a energy investment than going out there and just sitting in the open on a five-gallon bucket turned over and shooting some birds as they fly in. You see, you have to be much more dialed in, much more precise, much more committed, and you have to do the legwork up front and the planning so that you can hit your goals. Then next from that, guys, the result. Like we briefly touched on in the get-go, down here at least, whenever we're going out and we're dove hunting, we know that we aren't quote-unquote bringing home the bacon. We know that we're not making the world of difference in the freezer or in the grocery bill for our families. We're going out there with an opportunity to hunt and to be around friends and to have an opportunity to step away from all the craziness for a little bit to, yes, end up with a little bit of meat, yes, be able to cook some dove uh, poppers, some jalapeno cream cheese and wrap some bacon around the, the dove breast that's wrapped around that. And that's great. It's a very cool thing. I think it's much needed. I think it's an escape from reality and a, and a little bit of energy management uh, technique that is really serving to many people and many guys that go out. But when it comes down to the nitty gritty and when we really start evaluating it, the sustenance just really isn't quite there. As opposed to that, Whenever we find ourselves out, then we find ourselves in the stand with a rifle, and we get an opportunity for an animal to walk out, and we drop that deer or that larger game animal, and then we're able to harvest that animal, what we're truly doing is we are bringing home sustenance, and we're bringing home resources that can truly make a difference. 
You see, whenever you get a deer processed, it takes up a significant portion of the freezer. It is something that can feed your family for with kind of the way we integrate groceries and the things that we purchase, at least in my house. We can make a deer last for months and months. We'll make all kinds of different stuff out of it. We'll make backstrap. We'll make chili. We'll do deer burgers. We'll do tacos. We'll do all of these things that you can't do with just a simple dove, even if you shoot 15 of them. And you see, what that means is the time investment, the energy, all of those things and the bigger commitments that are surrounding that, we truly gain the benefit. We truly gain something that's going to nourish us. It's going to help us grow. It's going to help us develop. It's going to help us survive on the day in and day out if we use it properly. And that's the opportunity that it creates. And now that I've given you the full breakdown of hunting, you're probably thinking to yourself, how did we get into this podcast? I thought this was personal development. Well, here you go, guys. Think about what it is that you're wanting to do. Think about what it is that is your big goal. We're getting to the end of the year. Everybody gets their mind on New Year's resolutions. Everybody gets their mind on how they could improve. They start comparing themselves to the family that's coming into town and all the people that they haven't seen in a while and the changes that are happening. And we start to evaluate and consider goals and changes that we need to make. So what is your big goal? Is it to lose some weight? Is it to run that marathon? Is it to have a nicer vehicle come next year? Is it to finally buy a house? Is it to get that promotion? Whatever it might be, whatever development you're looking to make in your life, you can apply the same principle. You can apply the hunting with a rifle versus a shotgun approach. And what I mean by that, guys, is that let's take weight loss. Let's take all the little things that we try and all the things that we throw out there, a few decisions here and there, right? A few decisions to do a workout, not as consistently. A few decisions to eat a little bit better. You know, this week I cut out sodas and, and this week I tried to eat a little bit less bread. I tried to tried to get processed foods and sugars out of my diet for a little while and it was hit or miss. It was good, but there's more opportunities to go after it. You know, it's getting to the holidays, so it's okay if I eat a little bit bad. I'll make up for it on the back end. There'll be more opportunities. There'll be more shots. And we really let ourselves get spread out. We do a little bit of good. But we don't ever really dial in and get very, very precise on that weight loss. We might see the scale fluctuate a little bit. We might see a little bit of change in our bodies. But they're not something that's as consistent as truly, truly setting the stage. What if we did that upfront planning and that investment? Like setting the feeder, like going out there and scouting, like putting the cameras up, like putting a stand up and preparing for that large animal to walk out. 
What if we sat down? What if we made a plan? What if we started a commitment and we decided, okay, not only am I going to try to start eating better, but I'm going to actually dial in. I'm going to actually set a diet in a meal plan. I'm going to track my macros. I'm going to understand what carbs, what fats, and what proteins I'm bringing into my body in the effect that they're having on me. And with that, I'm also going to limit my intake. And then next, I'm going to get active. I'm going to get up and move. I'm going to plan on being active multiple days a week. And it's not just going to the gym and kind of stalling out and wondering what it is that I should be doing, bouncing from machine to machine, hoping that nobody's looking at me funny or or paying too much attention to my, my body that I'm not exactly proud of. No, it's going in and understanding that I have a plan. I'm going to pair these exercises together. I'm going to do this many sets with this many reps on each set. My goal is to work out for at least this amount of time minimum and to do it four times a week and to have those days laid out and have that selection made and to really, really dial in and get precise because that's when you see the big opportunities. That's when you receive the sustenance and the ability to truly, truly do something that provides a change. And there's so many other examples we can tie this into. If we just take a look at our financials, if we take a look at our careers, those two often go hand in hand for many people. Something I struggle with, something I had a conversation with a good friend about last night. We always talk about commitments we're going to make. We always talk about changes that we're going to make. And we start to. We sit down and we plan things out. Sometimes we even buy the materials or we buy the tools or we buy the means for starting to accomplish something like starting our own business or side hustle. And it always ends up petering out. It always ends up being something that's less important or something that we don't have as much time for because we have to focus on the big animals. We have to focus on the areas of our life that demand our time, demand our efforts. And so these little bursts and these little shots that spread out there and they aren't calculated and they're just kind of thrown out there hoping to hit a target with a scatter of it doesn't really become fruitful whenever we consider, okay, did we actually make more money? Did we create more opportunity for ourselves? Did we advance our careers in any way? No, because we just did a bunch of things that at the end of the day didn't really provide the sustenance, didn't really add up to anything of importance. But what if we stopped and truly devise that plan, started in the early phases of doing some scouting, putting the cameras out, understanding what the markets required, understanding what would give us the most bang for our buck, what opportunities, what needs there are in our career or in our community or or whatever it is, whether you're going entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship. What if we gathered that data and then with that we formulated a plan, we created an opportunity for our own success with the data that we had gathered. We set up the feeders, we set up the stand, we created the infrastructure, or we bought the tools, we bought the things that we needed to be successful, we bought the machines that allowed us to do that job and provide a service that fit that need. 
that we had scouted out. And then what if we went out and we got really precise and dialed in and got very, very good at making sure we had the right shot placement that we scouted out and find exactly what it was that we wanted to hunt and bring home. And then we got up early. We put in the work. We put in the hours sitting out there hunting and looking for what it is we needed to do. And then we took the shot and executed. It would make a world of difference. I can tell you that right now. As someone currently living this, the career and financial side of this, it'll make a world, world of difference. And on that note, you'd be surprised how many people are out there with a shotgun, just like many of us, just firing off in the distance, hoping that you hit something, hoping that you bring something down so that you can say, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm out here hunting. But it's not the same thing. So guys, that's my challenge to you today. Especially as we're getting into hunting season, keep this on your mind. Hunting with a rifle instead of a shotgun. It could be very important. It could be the difference in you achieving the things that you want to achieve and spending another year, another six months, another three months, another month, another ten years even, <laughs> being something that you don't want to be. Being less than you're capable of being. And guys, that's where I'll leave y'all. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. If you receive value, guys, please, please share this thing. Like I said, I'll be very, very thankful this Thanksgiving if you share this podcast. And guys, give us a follow on social media at Next in Line Development on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Do big things. Put yourself out there. Hunt with that rifle. And always be prepared for whatever is next in line.